Hallelujah. You know, I usually do more of a Veterans Day service, and I will have a few things in here today, but something I feel I just, good Lord, put on my heart so strong that I need to share with you this morning. And we just praise you, Holy Spirit, for being here and moving upon the hearts of your people. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What I want to share with you today is how many of you know, even in these days, in the times ahead, we have an anchor that is sure and steadfast. Amen. And you know, Brother Johnny and I were talking in the men's meeting the other day, and something I've been talking about with my wife and just uh, speaking over, and I I found this article uh, written in April 14th of 1912 by the Titanic. And it said, we're going to reflect back to the night of April 14th, 1912, the night that the Titanic plunged into the deep ocean. Listen, this is about the people of the time. Never before had people been so prosperous. Never before had people taken such delight in showing off their wealth. Wealth was virtually worshipped. People were living longer. Nothing could hold man back. And for a hundred years, there had been no world wars because of this tremendous period of success and optimism. One industrial achievement that seemed to show man's greatness was the production of the Titanic. This ship was considered a monument of man's final victory over nature and elements. It was designed to be the style and the luxury and safety of the time. No expense was spared for luxury and comfort. On board was Turkish baths, swimming pools, tennis courts, gymnasiums, ballrooms, and elevators. It was 882 feet long and 175 feet high. The anchors alone weighed 15.5 tons each. She was was constructed of 16 watertight compartments. The shipbuilder magazine called her practically unsinkable. At 2.20 a.m. April 15, 1912, the Titanic went down. Out of 2,207 people on board, only 705 were picked up from the 16 lifeboats. On that historic night, 1,502 souls met their maker. When some people boarded the Titanic, their faith and trust was in the ship and Captain Smith and their riches. The Titanic was considered unsinkable. Captain Smith was a highly paid captain of the White Star Line and was almost worshipped by the crew and passengers. He had never seen or had been in a shipwreck. Many people trusted in their riches in that era in which wealth was virtually worshipped. There was nothing money could not buy until that night. One man went to the Titanic's railing and opening up his wallet, emptied all of his money in the ocean, realizing that his money could not help him now. Imagine for a minute that you were one of those crew members. It is your job to serve the needs of the passengers, to put them in the lifeboats. With the older women and children in the lifeboats first, you're not expected to get in. As you load the last lifeboat and lower it into the water, you realize death is what awaits. What would you think if this would happen to you? How would you feel? What would you think about the concepts of service and duty? Would you still hold service and duty and honor? There were many acts of heroism that night. Many worked hard that others would live. Listen to this now. The Titanic was warned seven times about the iceberg that day. 
The next to last warning came at 9.40 p.m., just two hours before the collision. The message read, Much heavy packed ice, a great number of icebergs. Jack Phillips, the radio operator on the Titanic, wrote the message down and put it under his paperweight. He would give it to the captain later. 11.05 p.m., just 35 minutes before the collision, Evans, the radio operator on the California, sent this message to the Titanic. Say, old man, we are stopped and surrounded by icebergs. Philip wired back, just shut up. Shut up. I'm busy. And never gave the message to his captain. At 11.30, just 10 minutes before the collisions, Evans on the U.S. California turned the, his, off his wireless radio and went to bed. The California was only 15 miles away. The Titanic hit the iceberg. The Californian saw eight flares going up, which of course were emergency signals, but they thought they were just having a party. The Californian half-hearted effort to contact the Titanic, but they failed. Here are some final thoughts of the 2,207 people on board and only 705 were saved. However, there was room for 1,200 lifeboats. 500 more people could have been saved. The problem was the people would not get into the lifeboats. Many people did not believe the Titanic could sink. Eventually their thinking was, why get into the lifeboats and out into the cold for a few hours? After the trouble is fixed by our great captain, we shall just have to come back anyway. The people procrastinated in getting into the lifeboats. Then there were many serious series of explosions. The ship started tilting. The people finally started to understand that this ship was really going to sink. With this realization, there was a mad rash for the lifeboats, but many were too late. They had waited too long. Wives and husbands were torn apart, never to say goodbye. There's a fable told that Satan called his demons together and said, I want you to go and I want you to use a mighty weapon to destroy the church. The first angel said, I'll tell them that there is no God. Satan answered, Oh, that will never do because a creation testifies to a creator and man knows there is a God. A second demon said, I will tell them there is no heaven. Satan replied, No, that won't work either. Since Jesus was raised from the dead, men believe in heaven. A third said, I will tell them there is no hell. Satan responded, Your plan won't work because Jesus made it plain there is a hell. A fourth angel said, I will tell them there is no hurry to get their life right with God. And Satan turned and said, go, for that one will work. What we have to understand is there is a storm that is coming. We have to stand, understand as the prophets, as the word speaks, there's a storm that is coming. There are clouds that are forming over this world. Not just this nation, but over this world. And the thing we've got to understand that when everyone and the words and the news may at times seem to get worse and worse, we've got to know where our anchor is and in whom it is. Well, back in the early 80s, back in 85, I met a Puerto Rican evangelist who, who changed my life. A mighty man had a number of CDs out, DV, uh, tapes out, not CDs, they weren't out then, CDs out, I mean tapes, and um preacher and I spent time with him in Argentina. We did crusades with him and he, he became a, a spiritual father to me. And we got together. Uh, he came to Argentina a second time to do a crusade and a Bible school study. 
And he told me, he says, God tells me your time here is up. You need to come back to the States and work for me. I said, well, brother, uh, God hasn't told me that. He says, well, God has told me, and you just need to listen to me. I said, well, I said, God hasn't released me from Argentina. He says, I'll give you a choice right now. You either come back and work for me in the States, or I'll wash my hands of you right now. I said, but brother Ben, God, I have to pray about this. He says, no. He says, I told you a year, that's all you get. I said, well, I can't go. He says, okay. I love you as a brother in Christ, but I have nothing else to do with you. But you see, my anchor was in him. When he told me that I could still, if I could, I could show you the plowed flesh. Well, I have a scar right here where I felt the pain when he, when he rejected me and told me, I'll wash my hands of you. Have you ever had a, do you have a scar? But I come to realize that that scar wasn't the knife stab. The scar was the connection that the Holy Spirit was pulling out that you can have no other gods before me. Your anchor cannot be in man. How many of you know last night I hope your anchor and all your hope wasn't in the LSU game. <laughs> now, just to make you feel a little bit better, we got somebody from Alabama right here. And she loves Alabama. And she's got a big white car right over there. <laughs> but you put that anchor in a man. In a denomination, you listen to the TV, denominations are splitting because they're not believing in the doctrine they were taught or because they're changing the forms of belief. But when we have our anchor in the Lord Jesus Christ, the deeper that that anchor digs into the ground, the more established we are not to be going forth from here to there with different form of doctrine. Now, we've worked with Nikki Cruz twice, and a few weeks ago, some of us went and met Nikki Cruz in Monroe. And Nikki Cruz and this man I was talking about, Ben, were very close friends. They went to David Wilkerson's together. And I went to Brother Nikki, and we talked about when we were together. And I said, Brother Nikki, do you remember Ben? And I could hear in his voice the still the love for that man. And he says, Ben, Ben. I said, have you heard about Ben? He said, yeah. He said a few years ago, he started teaching a strange doctrine. And he says, right now, he's in Costa Rica and he started a cult that you can go there and you can marry all the women that you want. And I remember that when I was with him and, and he was imparting so much of my life, we landed in Ecuador and we got down and we were looking in the airport at souvenirs and there was this place of earrings. And so him and I went there and I, we were looking for gifts. And uh, I didn't notice it until I heard him say, to the young lady in Spanish, he said, can you put these on? And I looked, and, and it was a pretty young lady behind the counter, and she put them on, and he was, you know, touching her ear, and I said, hey, well, put these on. And then all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he says, get out of here. I said, what are you doing? He says, get on the plane, would you? I said, what are you doing? He says, just, I'll talk to you later. And you start seeing things. You start sensing things and that anchor starts starting to be pulled out. That you better not put your anchor in a man. You better not put your anchor in a party. You better not put your anchor in the government. Because the Bible says that we have one sure anchor of hope that is in Christ Jesus. 
And as I was studying this, one of the things I want to show you, and I want you to see, because it says he was a forerunner, I want you to see Jesus nailed upon the cross. As he was nailed upon that cross and as he was dying, he died and he came off that cross, and I want you to see he grabbed that anchor. And as he grabbed that anchor, started running, the veil ripped. And it says that we have an anchor beyond the veil. An anchor doesn't do you any good as long as you can see it. That means it's not connected and you're not safe. But when he grabbed that anchor, he ran through that veil and he went all the way before the throne of God and he put his blood upon that altar. Then he grabbed that anchor and he stuck that anchor in the altar. That whoever holds on to this altar, whoever holds on and has a stronghold to this chain, there is no way you will ever go down in your hope or any other situation because you have an anchor that is promised and honored by an oath and a promise of your God that as long as you are holding on to that anchor, you will remain unmovable. You will be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord because there is an anchor in Jesus. That will hold you no matter how strong the storms are. And the storms are here. And the storms are coming. And we've got to have a strong hold on that anchor. You know, the anchor holds a ship. Don't you know that ship that was in the Gulf of Mexico during Hurricane Ike? The 22 sailors stranded on that 600-foot ship. They were not able to be rescued. And they were just tossed to and fro with the waves. Don't you know many times this... One sailor told his captain, and the waves were coming, and he says, Captain, aren't you scared? And the captain didn't answer him. Captain, are you not scared and fearful of these waves? And he said, I may be fearful, but I know I'm secure. And that's what that anchor is in this time for you and I. There may be times where you may feel some fear come up, but you've got to know, I may be fearful, but I'm safe. And since I'm safe, I'll fight the fear. I'll fight whatever the enemy in the world is trying to sell because I'm holding on to an anchor that will never pass away. It is strong and is secure. That anchor holds. It is in a blood-covered altar beyond the veil in the presence of God where devil cannot even get. No demon can get. Nothing can get beyond that veil where that anchor is sure and secure into that covenant ark of God that gives you and I better promises knowing that whatever may come. But listen, that, that anchor doesn't only hold you from being taken against the rocks. It also holds you from not going back from where you came from. How many of you know that we are in a new day not to retreat, church? Not to be silent, church. Not to give up. Not to be bullied out of speaking or standing for the rights and believing in the full word of God. But this is the day that when the persecution may arise even more. When things may arise to try to silence the church and boycott the church. And the homosexual agenda is crying out, bring back the lions as they're doing today. Bring back the lions and the, and the media saying, now I understand why the Romans threw the Christians to the lions. Because they were tired of hearing the Christians talk about the Bible. 
In this hour, when there's every wind of doctrine, you've got to understand, God has given you an anchor to hold on to. That no matter what doctrine, no matter what lie, no matter what deception comes against you or the church, you hold on to that. I'm holding on to the truth that has set me free and will maintain me free. I am not letting up on this. They will call you all kind of names. They will try to persecute. They will try to intimidate. They will try to bully. But you are holding on to an anchor caught caught by the blood of Jesus. Christ. And I want to tell you why that anchor is so important. Because just like the ship is so valuable that it is given a special anchor that is specially built of not just any material that it can find, but it's made out of a wrought iron material that will not decay or rust or break. It will stand whatever tempest blows against that ship because that ship is so valuable that we're going to make sure it is anchored that no matter what blows against it, no matter how high the waves are, no matter how hard the wind blows, no matter what they may call the storm, that ship is going to stand because it is just too valuable to the owner to just give it a little anchor and just tell it, make it the best way you can. And I want you to know, you've been given an anchor because you are valuable because of the price that was paid of value to purchase you and set you free. And no matter what they say, we do not have a God who likes to play with your life and say, let's just see what they're going to do if this happens and that happens. We don't have a God who plays with his children and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to thump them behind the ear just to do it. I'm just going to say, you know what? I just feel like picking on Tom and making his life miserable. No, because when he sees Tom, he sees the blood that purchased Tom. He says, there's no way. I'm not going to give Tom an anchor that will hold him no matter what the enemy's trying to throw his way. That anchor holds. What are we going to do? That anchor holds. Where are we going to run to? That anchor holds. And as long as I'm holding on to that anchor that is beyond the veil in the presence of God, because Jesus is the forerunner who took that anchor, put it before the throne of God, stuck it into that altar of the oath and the promise. And as he was a forerunner who means, I'll go before you. And I'll grab this crown for Charles and I'm going to hold on to it till Charles gets here. Because Charles doesn't only have a hold of me, I've got a hold of him. And no matter what blows, no matter what blows, he's got a hold of me and he, i got a hold of him. And no matter what blows, we got a hold. And Charles, I'm holding your crown. I'm holding your mansion. It's in your name. And there's a mansion with your name on it. And there's a crown with your name on it. And there's a chair around my table that's spread in splendor with your name on it. And I'm holding it. And I'm holding it. And I know that when you get here, you're going to get everything due to you. These streets of gold I'm holding because I've come here before you. And I'm in the presence of God just as the King Melchizedek, which means the King of Peace and the King of Righteousness. And that word righteous means that you are right standing, acceptable, and perfect before the eyes of God. And the word peace there means that you your mind is stable and settled in the holiness and the things of God to where you will not have to be pushed to and fro and wondering what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to the future. But we have that anchor holds even in the midst of the storm. You know, the Bible talks, we won't go there today because I, I, I noticed I was going to run out of time. But if you go read in the book of 1 Samuel Chronicles, it talks about the 37 mighty men of God. Now, David had a whole army. But isn't it something just like Jesus? 
It mentioned 37 mighty men of God. Now, 400 went and met him in the cave, but it only wants to talk about 37 mighty men of God. But out of the 37, it talks about the three. And out of the three, it talks about the one. Doesn't that sound like Jesus and the disciples? You see, there's only going to be some who's really going to hold on. Paul says, Demas has forsaken me because he loved this present world. The doctrines of devils will deceive many. But as long as we know, listen to me, saints. It takes, you say, I'm going through a trial. It takes a tried word to get you through a trial. If we've always just, if ever we've only lived on easy street, we don't have a tried word that can say, I've tried that word and that word is proven and I'm holding on. Because if I hold on, I know I'm going to win. You know, a few, about four or five years ago, I had to go through my first operation. First time I ever had been in the hospital, I had a hernia. And I believed God and was prayed for. And I'd get preaching and that hernia would start jumping out. And I figured it was time to sew that baby up, you know. So went to the hospital. And, you know, you wonder at first, you know, why didn't God just heal that? I've seen so many miracles in over 27 years of ministry. Why, why didn't God just heal that? I don't understand. Why do I have to put on that stinking gown? <laughs> Why did I have to go lay in that room with other people on stretchers and everybody's looking at each other in this room and there's five or six stretchers waiting their turn and when they bring you through those doors and they put you, they, they say, they, they take that one little rope they give you off and they strap you down. And there's six or seven, eight of them guys walking around and you're strapped down like this on that table. But you know, I thank God I went through that. Because when I do a hospital visit, I know what they're going through. And since I've been tried in that way, I know how to pray for that person who's going through that trial. Yeah, I thank God that I went through that. It took me a few years to pay it off, but I got it done. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Got some big hard-working men right here. You're going to go work hard all day. You can't make it on marshmallow cream. We had marshmallows last night at Brother Ray. And, you know, it was, it's a good little t- treat. But how I many of you are going to work hard? You need meat and potatoes. And that anchor is the hard, strong Word of God. It's the tried Word of God. I have been tried, but I have been proven and found true. I stood upon this promise of God and, and, and it might not have worked and changed the moment I wanted it to, but I know that I have an anchor of hope. It's a steadfast hope. It's, it's, a, it's a hope by God who says, there's two things I cannot do. I cannot lie. And I cannot go back on my word. It is promises that are made and true. And I've given you a promise and I've given you an oath that I am not going to lie to you. Just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. And when the storm's blowing the hardest, then that just means the anchor is the strongest. You just keep holding on because that anchor got a hold on you just like you got a hold on that anchor. And when you get through and that storm's done, you're going to be like that wise man that built his house in that foundation. The winds blew, the storms blew, everybody expected to see everything gone, but just like in Galveston, everything was flattened, but you see that one yellow house was still standing, well I tell you that's you and that's me, because God is saying in this time, you say times are getting harder, that just means you got to get hungrier and you got to get more determined to that, that you're going to have to get the meat and the potatoes of the word because that marshmallow cream 
and, and that whipped cream and that little fancy stuff that tastes so good is kind of like the Chinese food. That, that, that menu bar is pretty good. You know what a menu bar is? Because it's cat. Meow. <laughs> menu bar. <laughs> you know that Chinese food, it's good. But how many of you ever had it last more than two hours and then all of a sudden you're hungry again? Anybody but me? In two hours, man, you're ready to go eat again. Bring me my Burger King, honey. Well, we just got three Chinese food. Yeah, but boy, that didn't last. Because if I'm going to go to war and I'm going to walk through these trials, I'm going to need something last more than two hours. Because I really don't know when's going to be the next time I get to eat. And, I, and I'm in the midst of the battle right now. And so it's kind of like them, M, them, them, them meals, MREs, you know. You, you eat those and uh, it lets you go a long time without doing a whole lot of different stuff. Because you've got to be on the job and you've got to be holding on. This CD is rated PG-13 today. But, you know, those days of going to church in America and going, oh, it was so good. We sang bringing in the sheaves and, and uh, they, they just talked about Jesus. And, you know, uh, Ethel had her hat on and Martin, I always say Ethel, uh, you know, and Margaret had this on and it, it was so good. And so-and-so didn't get on my nerves today. Boy, we had church. It was so sweet. This is the hour. Of the meat and potato people. This is the hour where you've got to get a hold of meat that's going to stick to your ribs and get you through that battle you're going through. Because, you know, these ain't the days, well, let me go back and put that tape on. You may not be able to put that tape on. You better get that tape on the inside of you. You got to listen to it 27 times. You get that tape on the inside of you to where all of a sudden what comes out of your mouth is what you've been putting on the inside of you. Because what you're saying is what keeps you holding on to that chain. But I was talking about David's mighty men. And there's one particular I loved. It's the man who stood up and fought the army over 300 by himself. And he fought with that sword. It said him and David. It said everybody, you could go ahead and read. Everybody went and forsook David but this one man. And David and this one man. I would have loved to have been that man to stand by David. I would have loved to hear what David starts singing. Everybody's forsaken him. And you would think David would be going, Oh my God, why have you and these men, you sent me in that cave, why have they all forsaken me? But David was there and it says that they fought to the hand, was the sword was glued to their hand. That anchor, that anchor was glued to their hand and there was, they couldn't even pry the sword out of that hand. And there was this one man in David fighting 300 of them, and they were killing them all, and David was magnifying God. And that other guy says, this is my captain. This is my Lord. This is my king. This is the one I'm going to stand. I'm going to fight for. I can't stop. I can't stop it. Everything inside of him is saying, just stop it. Stop believing. Stop singing. Stop praying. Stop going to church. Stop declaring. Stop, stop decreeing. Just, just want you just drop the sword. 
and run off like everybody else. Go meet the other crew. Nobody think bad about you because everybody else stop. But it is glued to the hand. And I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. And you see, this is where the deep meat of the Word of God gets. It's when you get to the point. And listen to me. You may say, I'll never get there. But it's when you can get to the point and you stand it up in the midst of that hurricane and it's blowing. But you look and you say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Is that all? That category four wins. Is that all you got? Come on, devil. I'm going to stand holding on to the anchor of the Lord God of my salvation. And that rain, is that all you got? Waves, waves, is that all you got? Is that all you got? The Lord told me you're going to beat against my house. Is that all you got? Do you think you're going to bring me down? No, I've got a sword. i got an anchor that is glued to my hand. And I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And the thing about it is, the more you pray, the more you war, the older we get, we feel that anchor pulling us up closer. And when I get to heaven, I want to have the marks of the anchor on my hands, around my throat, around my legs, around my waist. God, I wrapped it around because I wasn't letting go. Because I know at the end of this anchor is you. I'm fighting beside the king of the Lord of hosts. Now, I had all kind of definitions and I had all kind of stuff I was going to give you today, but I think you got what you needed to get. Because, you know, the storms get ready to play that song. The storms are rising. But God is king and Lord. And no matter what, Winds may blow, and the storm sounds loud. Hold on. I want you to dim these lights, and if you 